Today's reading is from Proverbs 4. Get wisdom at any cost. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it may cost you all you have. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way, for they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to make level paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Amen. When I was a kid, one of my chores was to take care of the weeds in the garden. I enjoyed it a little bit. I, I didn't appreciate it at the time. Now I love gardening as an adult. But as a child, it was a chore. But my conflict was that I loved dandelions. And so what I would do, now my dad instructed me, you need to get the weeds by the root. Because if you don't get the weeds by the root, they're going to grow back. But I really liked those dandelions. And so what I did with the dandelions was I would pick them. And I'd pick them and pick and pick and pick and pick until I had just a little bouquet of dandelions. Now, honestly, my dad didn't know the difference because 
the yellow flowers weren't there. So it looked weeded. It looked good in the lawn. There were no dandelions there anymore because I had a little vase of them in my bedroom. But it's kind of job security, really, because then they would grow back up again, right? And he'd say, Kristen, look, the weeds are back. It's, it's time to do the weeding again. And I'd say, yes, it is. And I'd go back out, and I'd pluck all those little dandelions again, leaving the roots in the ground, knowing that they were going to grow back up, and I'd have another little bouquet of dandelions. You know, it's a lot more work to dig up and kill those weeds, isn't it? Sometimes we don't want to do the hard work. We just want to mow them down. Just pick them up. Keep them intact. That's kind of how we approach sin in our lives, isn't it? Oh, if I just stop doing that one thing. If I just stop thinking that one thing. Okay, I'll just stop doing it. I'll just stop doing it. And so we, we do. We stop doing it for a time. And we think we're doing okay. Until the moment that that one thing, still rooted, grows back up again. It rears its ugly head. Then we get frustrated. Then we get depressed. And we beat ourselves up. But that's what happens when we look at Christianity as merely behavioral modification. Christianity is not behavioral modification. It's not enough to say, I just won't do it. Christianity is about heart transformation. We've been in a series on the book of Proverbs called Get Smart. We've been looking at what wisdom is why it matters in our lives. And in our text this morning, the author tells us again why wisdom matters and what the first step is to getting wisdom so that we can live life. Isn't that why Jesus came? He told us that he came so we may have life and have it to the full. Notice it says one life. I came that they may have life. Not just work life. Not just church life. Family life. No, one. One life. See, we like to compartmentalize our lives. We like to keep the different areas separate from one another. We have a, a work life. We have a church life. We have family life. A social life. And we keep them all separate. Jesus says, no, one, one life. We try to keep him out of those other parts. I'm going to let Jesus into just one part. No, Jesus, you stay out of this one. This one's mine. This one is my life. Don't come into this one. And we think he doesn't care about those mundane details of our lives. But it's in the mundane details that we become most complacent with matters of faith, thinking, oh, it doesn't matter, it's morally neutral. That doesn't have an impact on my faith. 
Solomon reminds us in the book of Proverbs that there's no part of life that's morally neutral. If you're following after God and you're looking for wisdom, nothing is off limits to God. There is nothing that is morally neutral. There is nothing in your life that is still yours. It all belongs to him. That's the beginning of wisdom. What we're going to discover in chapter 4 is that wisdom is a person to know. Wisdom is a path that we walk in. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts that we live out. You see, if you lack wisdom in any one area of your life, if you're foolish in just one part of your life, you're demonstrating that you have a Jesus problem. If you walk in foolishness in any one part of your life, you're walking away from Jesus. Jesus is wisdom. And if you're being foolish in any one part, then you're walking away. And you can't simultaneously be walking towards Jesus and away from him at the same time. It doesn't happen. If you have a temper, if you get agitated with people easily, if you always look at the bad, if you always look at the negative, if you tell lies now and then, oh, it's just a little lie. They're not just character flaws. They're a sign of a problem with Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom that Solomon talks about in Proverbs. He's the fulfillment of the wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. He is the prize of life. He is the path to life. And he's the only prize in the world that will not fail you. There's an urgency for us to grab hold of this wisdom, to grab hold of Jesus. Listen to what it says in verses 5 through 7. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. You'll be protected. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of this is get wisdom. That sounds like circular reasoning. The beginning of wisdom is get it. There's an urgency there. Chase after it. Go after it. Even if it costs all you have, get understanding. Wisdom is important, but it's also costly. It will cost you all your preconceived ideas about how life works. Remember what Jesus said about life in Matthew 16. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. We have to give up what we think our life should be. Hand it over to Jesus. He gives us wisdom. God's wisdom makes you 
alive. It will exalt you. It will honor you. It gives you a garland to grace your head and presents you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son. Accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. That's how life really works. Isn't that the life that's worth living? Who else can deliver that kind of promise? The world tries. It tells us that if we look a certain way, if we just own the right things, if we just had enough money, we could be wise. We'd be looked up to. We would have everything that we could ever want. How's that working out for the world? I imagine you can't name one person that has chased after the life that the world's wisdom tells us we have in store for us. That hasn't come out feeling lost, feeling empty and broken. But on the other hand, in here, and in the history books across time, over 2,000 years of all types of people from different cultures, different languages, that have set their hearts on Jesus, they've turned to his wisdom, and they have found fullness of life. It's all written down in here. And in all the biographies of every Christ follower that there's ever been, listen to them. They found Jesus. There's wisdom there. That's where the fullness of life is, chasing after Jesus. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want life to the fullest? But it takes a decision. The writer of Proverbs tells us that there's only two paths. There's the way of wisdom. And then there's the path of the wicked. There's no other options. But we like options, don't we? We like choices. So we create a third one for ourselves. We see the rotten life of foolishness on this side. And then we see the costly life of wisdom on this side. And so we create one for ourselves right down the middle. We choose to settle for a half-decent life, a mediocre life, thinking that we're safe. That's when we find ourselves mowing down the dandelions and just picking them for a vase. So no one sees them. But we're not killing them at the roots. They're still there, just waiting to rear up their ugly head again in our lives. Proverbs tells us mediocrity isn't safe. No matter what other path we think we might be creating for ourselves, God is clear there are two. One is a gloomy disaster of a life without his wisdom. The other is a bright success of a life with his wisdom. And the warning for the path of the wicked is dire. 
Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the wicked leads to a minefield, a minefield of evil. None of us are above evil. It's tempting. It's compulsive. It's addictive to our depraved hearts. Jeremiah told us that the human heart was the most deceitful of all things. Desperately wicked, he said. But don't let that word evil trip you up. See, we judge evil on a curve. Only the most horrible of acts are what we call evil. But in God's eyes, anything that he hates is evil. Anything that is against him is evil. There is no gradient of bad to evil. If it goes against God, it's evil. Any thought you have that goes against God, that's evil. Negative words that come out of your mouth that are not godly, that's evil. Inaction, disobedience, that's evil in God's eyes. They draw us down the path of wickedness, sometimes without us even realizing it. And that's why Solomon says, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Why guard our heart? Because the world is competing with Jesus for your heart. Competing for your affection. Proverbs tells us how to guard against the world's battle for our heart. Turn your ear to my words, he says. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. You see, our eyes and our ears are gates to our heart. What we listen to and what we look at are important. The songs you hear, the friends you hang out with and listen to, the movies, the TV shows that you watch, they all shape you, whether you realize it or not. They get inside. They have an impact. They're powerful. They get your attention. They capture you. And they get you to believe things that aren't necessarily true. Have you ever been... Teenagers love music, right? You remember being a teenager? You listened to a lot of music. And maybe some of that music you listened to wasn't parent approved but you listen to those songs over and over and over and over and so that as an adult 30 years later you can hear one of those songs come on the radio and you can just sing right along with it you probably shock yourself because you still remember those words there were times where when my kids were younger and some of the songs from my teenage years would come on the radio, and I would start singing them along, and my kids would look at me and say, how do you know this? 
How do you know this song? But then some of those words they would catch and they'd say, Mom. And I didn't even realize what I was saying because it was just, it was a recording in my head. And that's what happens. We have to guard what we let our bodies hear. And we have to be careful what we let our bodies and our eyes see because it stays in there. It's an impactful piece even when we don't realize it. See, God's word is the ultimate authority. He is the final word on the matters of our lives. That's what we need to be filling ourselves up with. Is that what you're letting your eyes grab hold of? Is that what you're letting your ears grab hold of? Or are you letting the voice of the world grab you? The things that we hear, the things that we see, they get written on our heart. We must commit ourselves to hearing and seeing things of God. Those things will strengthen us. Those things will guide us on the path to wisdom. I'm not saying, oh, pastor said today I can only listen to Christian music and I can only watch Christian films. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to be careful what you're putting into your mind. Be aware of it. Be watchful of it. That doesn't mean you only listen to Christian music or gospel music. That's not it. It's about being careful what you're putting in. There's some good music out there. There's some good movies out there. Be careful what you're putting in to your body, your mind, your spirit. It has an impact. Wisdom must be written on our hearts. If we're going to walk in it, it has to be in us first. The second part of our 23rd verse this morning says, For everything you do flows from your heart. Some translations say life flows out of your heart. And that the heart sets the course for your life. If your heart is impacted by negative stuff, if you watch the news 24-7 and that's stuck in here, how is that going to affect how you live your life? You're going to be terrified every minute of the day because it's written on your heart. Jesus tells us this. It's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Foolishness is just a lack of wisdom. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Evil starts in our heart before it manifests itself in our behavior. That's why behavior modification isn't enough to change us. Because we're just picking the dandelions. We're not digging them out from the root of our heart. And God looks at our heart. 
He's not concerned with just the way we behave. He's concerned with our attitudes. He's concerned with our motivations. If all we do is modify our behavior and we leave that source of evil untouched in our hearts, that's like the dandelions in the lawn. They're going to spring back up again. And we're going to get frustrated. We're going to throw our hands in the air and we say, God, I can't do this anymore. And that's when he says, because you're taking the path of foolishness. You're just mowing over the evil in your heart and you're not addressing it. Dig it up. What's in your heart comes out in your words. It comes out in your actions. What comes out of your heart can actually alter the course of your life. Our behavior reveals the state of our heart. If we want to change, if we want real, lasting change to happen in our lives, we need to look at our hearts. Assess what's going on there. What is motivating our behavior? We need to dig deep, figure it out. That's one of the reasons that we're called to live our faith in community, together. Because if we leave ourselves to our own assessments of our own hearts, our own behavior, we'd go on thinking and convincing ourselves that our behavior's just fine. We can convince ourselves of anything we want. One of the jobs of the body, the body of Christ, is to gently and lovingly bring our brothers and sisters into line with God's will. Gently, lovingly, not with judgment, not with hurtful words. Oh, I saw you. I saw you at the bar last week. I'm telling the pastor. I'm going to go tell everybody what I saw you doing last week. No, that's not what this is about. This is about being accountable to one another. If you think I'm following down the path of the wicked, tell me. Tell me, please. I don't want to go that way. If I can't see it, please tell me. That's why the body exists, one of them. So we can warn each other. So we can alert each other to the dangers ahead and gently bring one another back. We have heart issues, every one of us. We all need new hearts for the real change, lasting change in our lives. But the good news is that God wants to give us a new heart. In Ezekiel, he says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And give you a tender, responsive heart. That is hope. That's the beginning of wisdom. Allowing Jesus to have control of our lives. Letting his word be written on our hearts. That is where we find wisdom. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. 
We can only get a pure heart by finding our hope and our confidence in him. That's it. The author of Proverbs finishes up this chapter by telling us to watch our steps. Don't turn left or right. right. Pay attention to every step of the way. That means that the mundane details that we try to brush aside, they matter. It means that God cares about the details of our lives. It means that there's no morally neutral space in the life of a follower of Christ. You see, Jesus takes the ideas of the world. He tosses them upside down. The world tells us to chase after happy. Make your life everything that you want it to be. The world says, chase after that job. Chase after that house and that car. Chase after everything that you want or everything that you think you deserve. Those things will lead down the path to destruction. Depression, anxiety. That's what those things bring if Jesus isn't in it. They'll bring happiness for a time, but it's going to wear off. And then you're going to search for the next thing in the next thing. Because God has put a space in our hearts that only Jesus can fill. And we need our hearts continuously filled with the life of Christ. That's what Jesus meant when he said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. We will not lose our way towards wisdom if we guard our heart. And we guard our heart by coming first to Jesus, drinking in his acceptance his forgiveness, his promises, and his love. Everything in our life flows out from that place. Our hearts have a hunger and a thirst that only Jesus can satisfy. He tells us, come as you are. Come moment by moment even in the mundane details of your life. I am there saying, come to me. Drink them in. We'll find wisdom when we fill our hearts with the love of Jesus, moment by moment. And it isn't instantaneous. You're not going to just snap your fingers and suddenly everything's going to change. It's a journey. Wisdom is a path. They call it that for a reason. It's a journey. Gaining wisdom is a path that is walked with Jesus. Dig up the dandelions from the root. You know, even if you pull them up by the root, you can still cut the flower off and make a face if you want to. But you've got to get the root. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word. 
We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the wisdom found in Jesus. Father, we come asking, make us aware of the path we're on. Help us to assess our hearts. Lord, make in us a clean, pure heart. Nobody wants to choose the path of wickedness, Father. We don't choose it. Sometimes we end up on it because we don't choose. Father, help us to see the path we're on as we leave here today. May your word stay in our heart. May it convict us. May it challenge us. Give us the courage to change, Lord. Give us the courage to say yes to Jesus. In Jesus' holy and precious name.